The UN says that humanity stands on the brink of catastrophic man-made climate change. But is it true? Not a chance. But we do stand on the brink of catastrophic government policies that threaten to ruin the nation our forefathers built and defended against tyranny. So what drives the climate scare, Jay? Besides simple ignorance, the scare is driven by corporate greed and the desire of governments to control all aspects of our lives, Tom. Is this part of something more sinister? Indeed it is. Whether it's climate change or a pandemic or socialism, it really means sacrificing your rights and accepting the tyranny of the fourth branch of government, the bureaucracy. It must be stopped. This is The Other Side of the Story with Dr. Jay Lair and Tom Harris of the International Climate Science Coalition. Mr. Winston Churchill once said, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Jay, there is a country to the south of us that is far down the road on the sort of misguided climate and energy policies that Joe Biden is foisting on America. Which country is that? And what sort of lessons do you think we should be learning? We're, of course, talking about Chile, very friendly country that at one time had a very good economy. And I love that you started off with a quote from uh, Winston Churchill. I use it often. And actually, a, a recent book about his life called Churchill Walking with Destiny essentially recorded his life from birth to death and everything that went on in the world during his life and the role he played in uh, British politics. It is a source for great optimism because there's absolutely nothing going on today, as terrible as it is, that hasn't happened in Winston Churchill's life as bad or worse. And they survived. We will survive everything that's going on in this crazy, woke, world and the insanity of trying to get rid of fossil fuels because of climate change, we'll end up okay, but it may take us a decade to right the ship. Last week, we talked uh, about Canada, and there's a tremendous similarity between Canada and Chile, not their climate, of course. Canada was once a laid-back free country, It is now under the guidance of a tyrant, communist, Justin Trudeau, and Canada is suffering terribly. And Mm -hmm. I believe Chile is going under the same terrible leadership with a recent new election. And we're going to be talking shortly with Douglas Pollack of that country. So, Tom, go ahead and introduce Douglas to our audience. Yeah, for sure, Jay. Well, to give us an update on the situation in Chile and an update specifically from the article that we had published on the America Out Loud station as to how Chile is a cautionary tale for the United States and many countries, we've invited Douglas Pollock to be our guest today. Douglas is a civil industrial engineer from the University of Chile who shows what happened in his country when it followed the sort of climate and energy policies now being promoted in the U.S. by Biden. Pollock has written widely in his country and spoken at conferences all over the world to explain the devastating economic impact of Chile's wrong-headed policies. Now, this is interesting, Jay. <laughs> you know, they always say that 
you only get the flack when you're over the target. Well, Douglas's efforts to warn institutions about the unnecessary harm that fighting climate change is causing in Chile has resulted in his views being banned in Chile and throughout Latin America. <laughs> well, you know, that's actually a compliment in a way because it wouldn't, they wouldn't bother banning it, Jay, if, if he wasn't actually having some impact. Well, thankfully, Americans and Canadians and others outside the country can hear his cautionary tale. So welcome to the show, Douglas. Thank you very much, uh, Tom. Hello, uh, Jay. Nice to talk to you. And thank you for your invitation. Yeah. Douglas, many of us have learned that uh, Chile, as Tom just said, is experiencing many difficult economic problems. When did they begin? I remember a day when Chile was a very strong economy, and I recall they were uh, getting some help from uh, economists at the University of Chicago. And I remember reading rave reviews, of course, that's a few decades ago, but when did your problem start? I would say the very 11th of March, 1990, government of uh, military government of Pinochet delivered the country back to democracy with President Elwin. He immediately put a big break to the economic growth and everything else. Little by little, very slowly at the beginning, and uh, very fast since year 2000 with socialist president Ricardo Lagos. I would say definitely it started very, very steeply that year. Climate change including. So even with democratic governments, it's become really a problem. Even, even mm -hmm. the elected governments are now doing crazy things with respect to energy and climate. Yes, mm -hmm. and... Uh, about the Chicago, we call them Chicago boys. That was by the beginning of year 1980. They started to rule the economy here in Chile and everything went great for us in terms of uh, growth, employment, investment, foreign investment, everything mm -hmm. since year 1980. Mm -hmm. And then 1990 is when it started to go sour. Little by little, very slowly at the beginning and very fast and steep from 2000 onwards. Douglas, it's interesting. I just booked a guest for one of our radio programs in uh, June that has written about why governments are so bad that the leadership are generally not people that have had a business, that have run a company with employees. They come out of a, a leftist school, university generally, and uh, go right into politics, and they really don't have a clue how things work. I'm looking forward to that show, but it's likely been the same thing in Chile, how little by little politicians who really don't understand the way the world works, the way civilization should work, and they come and take over uh, thinking they're the smartest person in the room and ruining things. Now, the fact that your writings, which are so excellent, have been banned uh, on climate change, how does that come about? I mean, how do you know you've been banned? Is it every single news outlet or are there only a few uh, meaningful? First of all, it's not completely banned from, from uh, I have access, still have access to YouTube interviews that are well spread here in Chile, as well as abroad. However, I can't get into the 
government to explain this. I mean, the last government that supposedly is from the right, absolutely banned, nor to the Congress. I was invited there and they let me and they didn't let me in finally. Finally, the media, of course, absolutely banned. So my access is to YouTube channels and uh, private interviews and, uh, and lectures and, and presentations. Well, keep it up and do the best you can. All it takes for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. And I, I tell our colleagues uh, that over and over again, uh, we will win. Good will beat evil. It may take a while. But uh, we understand that your leadership wants to stop climate change. And they actually think that they will be a leader in impacting the climate of the earth. I mean, that seems... <laughs> crazy for such a, a small country that Chile is. It seems nonsensical. Yes. What kind of things and who do you talk to about that insanity? Well, I have done, I have talked a lot. Uh, I have a, a video that went viral a couple of years ago and the government somehow erased it because it was such a success. Now, it's so true what you say, Jay. You should have listened to President Piñera in his, how do you say, his speeches once a year to the country, to a nation. He always left climate change for the end as a most important issue or threat to this country and to the world. And that is why that is his excuse to impose all his regulations, laws, and uh, taxes, as well as former President Bachelet, that she left in 2018. Yeah, she apparently got an award from the United Nations for environment. Can you tell us about that? Champions of the Earth, <laughs> yes, yes, oh, indeed. Wow. That was in December 2017, right before she left office. And uh, because uh, Chile became the most interesting country in the world for the UN, for his climate achievements. Mm -hmm. That is why she received the, the, that prize. And immediately after that, the, the UN went to the, to the government palace. And immediately after that, she had a conference with Al Gore. You know, what you said a moment ago, I think really clarifies what all of uh, climate change is about in every country uh, on earth that is pursuing it. For our listeners to understand, it's never been about science. It has always been a construct to allow these different nations to impose laws to control the people. The whole business of the scare that man was affecting the climate in a negative way, there was never and is not any evidence of that at all. Carbon dioxide emissions have virtually no impact on the temperature of the earth. Scientists have really worked hard to try to come up with a number. And those that have, the number is five zeros to the right of the decimal point. They all have to admit that it's absolutely inconsequential. But as a scare, countries around the world have used it to control their populations. And most of them are, they're all socialists, most of them are communists, which is just socialism taking to an extreme. 
So uh, the more people understand this has nothing to do with science, it has nothing to do with temperature of the earth. It's all about changing the entire world to a one world country ruled by communism. That's right, exactly. Yes, and even more, if you take into account the impact of a little country, a small country like Chile, with a 0.24% of global emissions, imagine we could close the entire country, its economy, or kill 17 million people, and the impact in climate, given that the UN's theory is true, would be zero. And you tried to run your subway, I understand, with wind and solar power. What did that do to the cost of electricity for the subway? Immediately rose 210% from 47 point something up to 100 and something dollars per megawatt hour. But that is impossible. That is impossible to achieve because you can't have sometimes the subway and sometimes not because of the weather. You must have it (laughs) the the entire day around. Mm. So somehow it's impossible, but she did it. But the worst thing is that she did it in replacement of thermal sources. That's a dangerous issue. That's a big problem. Mm -hmm. So have they increased the prices for tickets for the subway to pay for the electricity? Or are they just building up a big debt? No, no. They they have been increasing the the ticket since then. The, The last one was in October 2019. The fare hike was about... Four cents of a dollar. And Mm. that was the last drop that finally uh, made the communist revolution. And that is very cynical because they promote climate change. They promote taxes. They promote regulations. They promote new environmental laws. And then when everything rises, the prices of everything, including the subway, rise, then they promote and they do the revolution and they burnt Santiago first with supermarkets. Walmart went down 120 supermarkets belonging to Walmart. They were burnt businesses, buildings, uh, buses and uh, churches. And then it, it was extended to the rest of Chile because of four cents of a dollar of the increase in the subway ticket. Is that why you didn't have the Conference of the Parties UN meeting in Chile? That's why, yes. Mm. It would have been good to have the meetings so they could see what the impact of their policies are. Have it right in Chile. <laughs> you know, Surely it would have been beneficial to our side if they did have the meeting. Well, yes. one of the things that puzzles me, Douglas, is that your country was planning one of the most uh, advanced hydroelectric a project, obviously, uh, with a, with a dam, it was uh, scheduled to produce enough electricity to almost feed half the country. And uh, it was canceled a few years ago. And what I don't understand is a hydroelectric doesn't produce carbon dioxide emissions, which is why they claim they want to stop the use of uh, coal and natural gas. What was the argument to cancel this very advanced hydroelectric project? 
this is laughable, but uh, you won't believe it. One of the excuses, one of them, there were many, was that the high-tension cables would pass over Indian graveyard or cemetery. That was one of the excuses. Then the environmentalists went very angry and they stopped everything. Everything went to justice and uh, bureaucracies. And we spent seven years wasting $250 million in in all that nonsense, finally to, to bury the project. Now, uh, as you say, it, its name is Hydroisen or Hydroisen in English some, somehow. Well, that would have been twice the most efficient hydroelectric power station in the world. Why is this? Because it would have exhibited an 85% of capacity factor. There's no no uh, hydroelectric station in the world that can show that number. And the minimum area dropped per megawatt. And it was run of river, wasn't it? Uh, yes, yes. Run of river, five plants, run of river plants. Mm. So you, you don't actually need a big dam. You just put it in the river. Is that how it works? Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. Wow. So it doesn't actually cause the same kind of environmental destruction as flooding a whole valley, for example. That's right. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yet the environmentalists were still against it. Yes. And if you think so, if you realize the environmentalists or communists, they put in the same bag thermal sources of generation, fossil fuels and nuclear and hydroelectricity. Mm -hmm. They put them all together. The, the war is against everything. That means against capitalism, free markets, and the West, in other words. When you just said uh, environmental group, you then said communist groups. And that's really interesting for our audience to know. A massive study was done recently on the funding of the major environmental groups in the country that retard economics and industry in every way possible. And it turns out that a huge percentage of all the major groups comes from Russia. They mm -hmm. have been funding uh, environmental groups for uh, two decades, and uh, they, they get away with it. And of course, the environmental groups, they're all trying to be green and good for nature and good for mankind when they are exploiting communism in, in every possible way. That may be hard for some of our listeners to uh, believe, but I've been in the field for 60 years now and watched the growth of these organizations. And there is no doubt whatsoever that they are funded, supported by, by Russia and, and China and other uh, anti-American groups using uh, environmental lies, basically, to thwart our economy. That's right. And if you think about it, if you can remember, Jay, you have been for 60 years, you may remember during the Soviet Union government or regimes, Soviet Union was the most contaminating nation in the world. Without a doubt. Yeah. So it's, it strikes me that 
you know, supposedly the socialists are caring about the poor people, and yet the increase in prices that are being caused by their policies are primarily hurting the poor. So does the public not understand this? It seems they don't. Mm-hmm. It seems they don't, because the, the, the consequences are so terrible in, in terms of uh, capital flee, in terms of unemployment, in terms of loss of sovereignty, including that. I will always remember the words of uh, President Trump during his first campaign. He always said many times that because of climate change policies during the Obama administration, about 23 million new unemployments were achieved in the United States and 60,000 industries had fled to China and Mexico. Mm -hmm. I will always remember those numbers. It's incredible, the damage without any impact in climate. So are the media really not aware of this or do they not care? No, they don't. Well, is your your media uh, as totally liberal as ours in the United States? I always say that entire media is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Democratic Party. Is it similar in Chile? Yes, absolutely. I would say the entire media is uh, leftist, and um, <clears throat> those who are not are very scared. Are very well, you scared. know, in, uh, in this country, the Democrats have painted themselves as liberal, wanting to help uh, the people. Uh, <laughs> they have not been helping the people. They hurt the people with the numbers uh, you described. And I think recently, as things have kind of gone over the edge the, with the woke and, and critical race theory here, uh, teaching uh, all terrible things to our children, I think people are beginning to wake up to the fact that this liberal Democratic Party is, uh, is not serious about doing things for the people. They're being exposed for what they are. So as things have gotten worse than ever in our lifetime, I believe uh, people are waking up. I know in this country, uh, when we have our midterm elections in November, the uh, Republicans will uh, beat the Democrats uh, by a very large number of House seats taking control of the House of Representatives which uh, controls the budget of the United States. So I've said this in a number of programs, while Biden can continue to try to rule by executive order, uh, he can't order anything done that costs a a nickel, a dollar, a dime. The House will stop uh, any of his crazy things that cost money. So there's there's, uh, cause for optimism. Just before we go to the break, I'm hoping after the break, Douglas, we can talk about if you could go back in time to a point before all this started to happen, what would you have done differently or recommend the country do different differently? Because right now, the United States and Canada are not as far along that path as Chile is. And if we can learn from the mistakes of Chile, that could help us. So after the break, could you tell us what you should have done differently in Chile to stop all this early on?
Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report. I want to put in a big word for healthy cell supplements. The GI tract is not functioning normally in long COVID syndrome. I'm convinced of it. There are multiple studies. We need a much better absorbed set of nutraceutical and vitamin products for long COVID syndrome, and that's healthy cell. They have an entire line that's safe and effective, uh, can help people through the long COVID syndrome. I found the best way to use healthy cell products is use them every day, not on and off, on and off. Take them every day consistently. The immune super boost, focus and memory, and the REM sleep supplement all have powerful effects in long COVID syndrome. Go to HealthyCell.com and in the promo code, type in out loud for 20% off your first order. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. You've been in that situation. The person next to you is sniffling or worse yet, <coughs> coughing. Flu, cold, and coronaviruses are everywhere. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to reduce these threats with an invisible mask as an additional layer of protection? Sold by hundreds of pharmacists and medical doctors, our American-made povidone iodine antiviral nasal spray, Cofix RX, lasts for hours deactivating viruses and germs while protecting you from airborne pathogens that make us sick. America Out Loud listeners get 20% off. Use Cofix RX while in large groups, while traveling, or for any other type of high-risk situation as an additional layer of protection to help reduce your likelihood of catching a cold, the flu, or SARS-CoV-2 viruses. Right now, America Out Loud listeners get 20% off of all orders. Click our banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. spirit of American liberty and justice is woven into the soul of America out loud. Now we invite you friends to invest some of your time with our magnificent family of experts, their minds and voices. It's all back at AmericaOutloud.com. Liberty and justice for all. So our guest today is Douglas Pollock, calling to us from Chile. Hey, Douglas, tell me what it's like in Chile right now, or you're coming up to your winter, I guess. Yes, very quickly, because it's getting very cold here in the nights. Yeah. So what city are you in? Santiago. Oh, wow, Santiago. That's the city they wanted to run the subway with wind and solar power. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Right. Now, if you look back in time, what advice would you give to Canada and the United States? What should you have done differently early on before things got out of hand? What would you recommend to our country if we actually don't want to follow the direction that Chile went? What I had done here before this climate hysteria, many things among them. First of all, I would say the main one is to defend by the right politicians, defend the tremendous achievements of the military governments and do not give in to the left rhetoric about the cruel market, for instance. In the same path, eliminate green taxes, all green taxes, regulations, and ministries of environment and energy. As you know, a ministry of energy has ever, never produced a single megawatt hour. They only produce taxes and regulations. Release Chilean energy potential in hydroelectricity, talking about Hidroisen, 
way before. And with this, to attract foreign investments again and generate economic growth, employment, and prosperity for the people. That is the opposite of what the left wants. So it calls for courage on the part of the opposition parties who are opposed yes. to this. And they have to actually say what's real and actually take some heat so as to prevent the country from sliding into its current state. Yes. Up here in Canada, we don't see much of that courage coming from conservatives. In fact, the fellow who's most likely to become the conservative leader, I'll be meeting with him tomorrow night. But unfortunately, he's saying that they have a better climate plan, a better plan to reduce emissions, which sounds like the rhinos in the United States, right, Jay? Absolutely. That's uh, the same problem. I've got a two-part question. Do people know that in 2019, the International Energy Agency, Frank Chile, is having the third highest electric cost of any developed uh, country. And I'm wondering if the people don't know, is, the, is your new communist leader happy about this? The people don't know. Definitely, they don't know. Now, the government, of course, they know. And if they're happy, they should be, because it's what they want to destroy this country. They're looking for that. Now, uh, if it's not by by very few interviews I, ha I have had in the past, some people do know now because of my presentations, my talks, and it's simply not enough. But people in general do not know. Now, I understand you have new uh, taxes on carbon emissions, uh, trying to drive out fossil fuels and uh, push people to unreliable wind and solar. And uh, I know in your writings, you don't call them renewables, you call them unreliables. And uh, that's what I do now, uh, because that's absolutely all they are, is an unreliable source of energy. So your country is trying to force everybody uh, to a source of energy that is uh, terrible. Yes, yes, and that comes from uh, Bachelet's government. She left us with 96 taxes and regulations. 96, not one, two, or three, 96. And on top of that came Mr. Piñera with many more. And that's right. We, we, in, in 2019, we had a renewable generation of about 16%. The United States that year only had 8.9%. Imagine us, little country, with 16%. Wow. How has this decline in your economic status, how has it affected your citizens? Unemployment, mm -hmm. anger, riots. Every single Friday, the, the city during the, the evenings is being attacked every single Friday since 2019. Hmm. It's wow. anger. Everybody is, is a, the, the inflation. We yeah, seem to have nothing to eat the same as in the government of Allende in, between 1970 and 1973. Well, so how did the communists get elected a president uh, recently? Is it kind of like the U.S. election that was uh, cheated? 
No, I don't think so because he won by a big margin. So I, I don't think so. Uh, I only have one answer. It's been a brainwashing for 30 years by now against the Pinochet's government about the cruel market, about the capitalism, about everything that represents prosperity and freedom. And imagine 30 years of brainwashing when those boys were born in 1990, they're all now about 30 years old. So that's it. I, I think that the, the people is a bit sick. Well, it's we have the very same problem here. Uh, our school yeah. system, we've lost a generation uh, to believing really in socialism and all the, the wrong things uh, so that they, they put up with the lies that they uh, hear every day. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess the children in Chile are being brainwashed even today. Is that right, Douglas? Right. Even worse, they're being brainwashed in uh, private and the most expensive schools in uh, the country. I've mm -hmm. been there. I've been trying to, to make presentations and to talk to the kids. It's been impossible. Mm -hmm. the, the, the most expensive and exclusive schools in Chile. Huh. That's interesting because that's just like what's happened in Canada. I used to actually speak at high schools quite often, and the students really liked it because they liked to question authority. But the government told the principals that I was not to be invited in anymore because I was saying things against government policy. And so I don't get my speaking engagements at high schools anymore, which is sad. But uh, <laughs> so it sounds like the brainwashing is happening literally all over. Now, yes. how similar. Yeah. And, and uh, very soon we will be full of Greta Thunbergs all over oh, the place. I was interested to hear you saying that under Pinochet, the policies were actually quite good. In Canada, you know, we're brainwashed to think that Pinochet was terrible. But in fact, you're saying that some of the things he did were good with respect to the economy. Well, first of all, Pinochet does not fit in the definition of dictator. Okay. Where have you seen a dictator delivering the government back to the democracy? He did. No one else did. Stalin, mm -hmm. Lenin, Hitler, uh, Castro, who did? Mm -hmm. Now, he, he did that and, um, well... He did the right things. He put the correct and the right people in charge of the economy of Chile from the end of the 70s, I would say. The year 1978, 79, from then on, they ruled the, 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 the economy part of, uh, of Chile. Mm -hmm. And we, so we became the first country in Latin America in every single variable you want to see, social, economy, in growth, and whatever, in education, in, in health, in everything. A number I'd like our listeners to hear is, uh, you ran some calculations uh, to describe how the temperature of the earth would change with all the terrible rules that Chile is putting into place to stop the use of, of fossil fuels in every part of your lives. Uh, <laughs> what was that number that you estimated, uh, Douglas? 
Well, it was something like 0.0000115 degrees Celsius per decade <laughs> of, of temperature, global temperature abatement. Do you know where did I take that number? Oh, no, using I, the magic, the EPA's model, right? The official climate change model from the Environmental Protection Agency. No, 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 no. It's not, was no? not a model. It's the what the UN calls the, the climate sensitivity general equation, something like that. Okay, general circulation equation. Well, oh, yeah. Now, it really is laughable, and that's really true of every scientist that is on our side, that is uh, recognizing that uh, the idea of man-caused climate change or an increase in temperature is, is a fraud. Uh, intended to gain greater control over people. What I have tried to talk all of the people on my side that spend time trying to calculate this number, many zeros to the right, that they begin their articles and their speeches by explaining, while we're not sure what the number is, we are sure it's inconsequential. It's meaningless. Uh, I have not succeeded in that because there's still too many scientists that make a living doing their research. And if their research is trying to calculate the effect of uh, man's activities on the temperature of the earth, uh, it doesn't seem to matter to them that they know it's inconsequential and many zeros to the right of the decimal point. But it's certainly a lesson I'd like to teach to all of our citizens. It has nothing to do with science. It's all about politics. And whatever the impact is, all we know for sure is it's inconsequential. Yes, and even more, there's no instrument created by man that can measure that tiny temperature rise. It's impossible. Yeah, point four zeros and then one five five. <laughs> That's the percent. That's <laughs> incredibly low. Yeah. 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 So so tonight when I'm meeting with the potential leader of the Conservative Party in, in Ottawa here, what you're suggesting then is that what they should be doing is actually standing up and saying there's no climate crisis. It's not worth ruining our country over this fictitious concern. And they have to be brave. Otherwise, we're headed the direction of Chile. Would that be correct, Douglas? Absolutely. They have to be brave. Mm -hmm. With that, okay. you, you win the war. Without that, you lose everything. You mm -hmm. deliver everything to elect. So Ask Jay, permission to them. Mm -hmm. yes, so Jay, in, in the United States, Jay, do you have very many Republicans who are prepared to say the whole thing is wrong and nonsense? Mm. Well, the problem with the Republican Party for the past decade is that we have a large uh, faction of them which uh, we call rhinos, it's Republican in name only, and they run on the Republican Party because they live in a district that they think it's easier to get elected as a Republican than as a, uh, a Democrat. And so there's always been a significant number of them that have bought into the uh, climate change hoax or fraud uh, because they feel it gives them better support in their communities. Uh, but I think they'll become less in numbers and we're going to have lots of new 
uh, people that are running for our House seats, uh, what, 535 of them in the United States. And I've noticed a lot of them are returning uh, veterans from the uh, Afghan war. And there seems to be uh, a greater common sense among them. And I believe that the uh, support for the climate change fraud in the new House of Representatives will be considerably less. Uh, it will not be as large a majority as the whole total number of Republicans that will be elected. And I think the swing could be well over 50 votes. So uh, I'm really optimistic that it'll be the beginning of uh, the end for uh, the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. So many Republicans and conservatives in Canada, they say, oh, well, we can't say the climate scare is a fraud because the public don't agree. We have to wait until the public agree and then we can say it. But according to various studies, when leaders such as in the opposition party, when they actually say these things, then the public start to come over to that side. So, I mean, they're really abrogating their responsibilities as leaders by waiting for the public to come along. Surely they have it backwards, wouldn't you say, Douglas? Yes, that is very bad. If you have a public against you, you have nothing to do because you've got the government and the public, they all agree and you stay talking alone. So yes, you have you you must have the public in your side. So they're afraid. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's you have very many people like yourself who you can talk to in Chile who are, you know, people that are understanding the circumstance who are also prepared to speak out. Are there very many like you? No. No. In fact, uh, I feel very lonely in uh, not only Chile, but in uh, the entire continent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are, are people leaving Chile because the economy has gone so bad? Yes, yes, many of them. Not, not so many yet, but yes, the investments, the money. The, the rich people, they took all their man, money away from Chile, uh, I would say long ago during Piñera's government, including himself. What about the industries? Are they some of those leaving too? Well, they're fleeing for many years by now because of climate change. They have fled to China, mainly to China. Hmm. Wow. How are things at your university? All leftist, private mm -hmm. and, and uh, public university. Mm -hmm. So I guess it would be hard for a professor to get tenure if he were too outspoken against the climate policies. Yes, yes. He has a risk to be fired and, uh, or to, to stop his career if he starts talking about the truth in global warming or climate change. Yes, mm -hmm. that's true. You know that the environment ministry, she's a woman, She's a leftist, of course, and she's a geophysical academic in the, the same university I studied engineering. Mm -hmm. And she promotes and defends the uh, UN's theory about climate change, and now she's the ministry of this communist government. Oh, wow. That's, that makes life hard. You'd laugh to hear that our environment minister in Canada is a former Greenpeace person who was actually arrested for protesting on various high buildings and climbing them. So now he's the environment minister of Canada. Oh <laughs> it's God. crazy.
That's the same in the United States. Our entire uh, cabinet has been filled with leftists by uh, President Biden. I, I could not have picked a worse group of a dozen or more people to uh, represent the different cabinet uh, agencies. It's, it's almost comical, uh, the people he selected, and uh, we will have to put up with them for another couple of years. But I've got a, a our audience would really be interested that I know for some number of months, you have been working with Margaret Thatcher's former science director on writing a, a major paper that you think at, at the very least will convince uh, scientists of what is going on with the climate. Could you uh, explain what that paper is gonna hopefully achieve and say to our audience? Yes, that's a paper meant to prove what takes place with uh, electricity costs in a grid as well as CO2 emissions when adding renewables into that grid. We, we finally are able to prove what takes place. And many findings, uh, we did many findings about that. You know, I would like to start first with the most confusing arguments used by the left to convince people the benefits of renewables. If you let me, if there's time. Yes, but go ahead, free. please. They're oh, free, very simple, and so, so easy to get convinced. First of all, renewables don't burn fossils to generate electricity, which is true. Secondly, renewables fuel cost is zero because the energy coming from the sun or the energy used to generate electricity, sun or wind is free. I would add hitherto. And finally, investment costs of renewables technologies have dramatically dropped over the last decade. All three premises true, but the conclusions they get, which are the following. The first one, the high, then the higher the renewable generation share, the lower the electricity pr price must be. And secondly, the higher the renewable generation share, the greater the CO2 emissions abatement. Now, this is very easy to understand and very easy to get convinced. But the thing is that the premises, despite they are true, they reach wrong or false conclusions, making the entire arguments non-valid. And why is this? For only one reason. They assume renewables as isolated entities that don't affect the operations of other generation sources involving a power grid. So the overall system electricity costs as well as CO2 emissions. That is a problem. And when you analyze that point, you quickly come to the conclusion what takes place. And what takes place is very simple. You almost get no CO2 emissions abatement whatsoever, and inevitably, the cost of electricity rises, inevitably. Even in the extreme limit, an absurd limit, if the investment cost of a renewable source was zero, the overall electricity cost will still rise. Imagine that. And we are able to prove it. And uh, this is not a theory. It's a simple, uh, very simple ensemble of 
well-known by the generation industry equations, sets step-by-step step and in a comprehensive and a very logical sequence and all their interrelations to finally reach the generation cost of electricity and the grid electricity cost. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be in a paper that's about to come out? Yes, yes, it's going to be in a paper. We are going to submit it to a peer review process and uh, and this will be all done probably by Lord Moncton from the UK, not from Chile. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Will it be publicized in mainstream media, do you think? No, I don't think so. Hopefully, yes, but I don't think so. Yeah, so it sounds like it's something we better get a hold of. Make sure we send it to us and, and you send it to us and then we can publicize the heck out of it. <laughs> Absolutely. By so really, means, they're, yes. they're using kindergarten arguments to try to support uh, wind and solar power when, in fact, even a modest analysis shows that it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Yeah, you know, I I use a, a simpler argument in all the papers I write is that because wind and solar are undependable and you cannot have a large electric grid uh, go short of energy for any length of time, I mean, like five minutes, you have to have a backup of a fossil fuel, uh, either coal or natural gas standing at the ready, actually operating so that within seconds, you can add the fossil fuel into the grid. So I can argue that no matter how much wind and solar uh, a country uh, builds into their electric grid, they've got to back it up with an equal amount of uh, fossil fuel. So actually, instead of the cost going down, they actually should double because you're uh, you're adding an amount of energy that without wind and solar, you wouldn't have to add to the system. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. yes, precisely. Yes, exactly, Jay. And even more, there's a limit. There's a well-defined limit for renewables in any grid anywhere in the world that is accounted for by its capacity factor. That is a limit above, above which any generation in excess above that limit will be necessarily lost. And at that point, and above that point, no thermal generation abatement will be achieved. It's mm -hmm. so can, you, can you give us an idea of the magnitude? Like what is the percent where you cannot make renewables more than that amount in a grid? The capacity, the average or weighted average capacity factor of the renewable sources of generation. For instance, the United States, you exhibit uh, an 8.9 percent of renewable generation, but that is compared to the entire generation, including hydroelectricity, uh, oil, coal, nuclear, and others. Okay. But when you, go, you, you do the analysis, you must compare the renewable generation to the source, the thermal source of generation that will be eventually able to back up the renewable source. And that is gas, gas-fired power stations. And compared to that, the United States as a whole, as an entire country, is very close to the limit because you are exhibiting at 
almost 25% of renewable share. Mm -hmm. So so the maximum, uh, the the answer to the question Tom asked, the maximum percent of renewables that can supply electricity to the grid uh, is something under 25%. It depends. It depends. For instance, in Germany, you can have an average capacity factor coming from renewables of 40% because you've got a lot of wind. But in the United States, you have a mix between solar panels and wind. So perhaps the, the average capacity factor of the renewable sources may be 25, perhaps 28, something like that. But you're close to that limit. Mm-hmm. About yeah, 40, you you get nothing in adding more and more and more renewables because all that generation in excess will be necessarily lost. The only thing you will achieve is to continue rising the cost of electricity. That is all. Yeah, Howard Hayden, a professor emeritus from Connecticut University, he was saying that there is a maximum that you can have of unstable energy before the whole grid collapses. That indeed you can't have more than a certain fraction I think it was 20%, 25%, where if you have more than that, the grid collapses because it's unstable. Well, beyond that, you can't inject more generation than that of the demand because you can't play with the, with the frequency, electrical frequency. Right, yeah. And, in, and right. if you don't match the demand below, you go into a blackout. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, if you look to the future, we have just another four minutes to go. Can you tell us where do you think Chile is going next? Like with the current trend, what do you see happening coming up? Fair hikes, electricity and blackouts. Mm-hmm. We're heading to, towards that. Meantime, we have still a, a stock for, let's say, two more years of thermal sources that can support, there's still uh, some room to increase renewables in Chile because we still have a, a big stock of thermal sources. But after that, after two years more, well, we'll see blackouts, the same as in California, Texas, uh, South Australia, Germany, United Kingdom, Spain, etc. And that's when people start to die because then you lose power yes. in the middle of the coldest periods. Yes. How long is your communist president? What's his term in office? Four years. The same as you. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds to me the suffering in four years hopefully will change people's minds in the, the next election, just as it is here. Unfortunately, our House of Representatives is only a two-year term, 535 of them. And uh, there has been so much... Uh, damage uh, done by our current president that uh, I believe thousands of people literally wake up every morning realizing they made a mistake in the last election and they will not make that mistake uh, come November. And hopefully that will be the same for Chile four years from now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because apparently a lot of this stuff is being driven by the CO2 fear. And yet, wasn't, weren't you saying, uh, Douglas, that the Sahara has expanded because of CO2 enrichment of the atmosphere by more than the size of your Atacama Desert? Three times. 
300,000 kilometers between 1982 and 2014. Yeah. So and, uh, that, that means three times the size of our Atacama Desert. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I want to make this statement that for our listeners, there is nothing bad about carbon dioxide. Uh, it's the, the gas that allows us all to live here, to breathe, for plants to grow. There are no disadvantages to it, and the earth is better for more. Uh, we have, earthwise, about 25% more of our landmass is green than it was 40 years ago. And uh, we would be better off if we had twice as much carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Right now, we're somewhere around 420 parts per million. We'd be in great shape at 800. Our nuclear submarines travel underwater around the world with an average carbon dioxide content of 5,000 parts per million. And there's never been a sailor getting sick from it. There's never uh, been a problem. So not only is the global warming fraud insanity, it's got everything upside down. Carbon dioxide is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully we can learn a lesson, you know, from, from what happened in Chile. And tonight when I meet with the conservative candidate, I'm going to tell him we need bravery that we were talking to a fellow from Chile with you and that indeed to stop what happens before we get as bad as Chile, we have to have brave politicians. So Douglas, we really appreciate having you on. You've given me a great thing to quote tonight with our leaders and we have to sign out. We're out of time. But today's guest has been Douglas Pollock, a civil engineer from the University of Chile, who tells us what happened in his country as a cautionary tale to what we should be worried about as to what might happen in the U.S. and Canada. So, Douglas, thank you very much for being on our show today. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Jay, for your invitation. And please don't follow the Chilean example. Right. Okay, well, this is Dr. Jay Lair and Tom Harris signing out from the other side of the story. Thank you.